Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Thank you. Thank you for being here today. I know it's cold outside. I was really worried about that. Uh, it was last night. You know, you just hear the worst. Friday, somebody said, hey, man, get ready for 10 inches of sleet. I'm like, 10 inches of sleet? Can we even survive that? And uh, nothing happened, you know. <laughs> so that's the way the weather is. And, and I always, you know, last night, you know, we have to, we make decisions at 5 o'clock whether or not we're going to combine services. If somebody, <clears throat> somebody ever says, hey, Faith Cove canceled church this weekend, look at them and tell them they're a liar because we don't cancel church. Uh, I mean, church have to get blown away, tornado, something like that. We have four-wheel drives, and I live about a mile away. I can hike here if I have to. Uh, we'll have church uh, pretty much no matter what weather. That doesn't mean that you have to be here. Don't risk your life to be here. That's not why we do it, but <clears throat> we, just, we just always have church. But here's, one, here's the thing that uh, we want you to remember is that if weather is a factor, if the roads are going to be slick, what we'll do is we'll have one service at 11 o'clock. And uh, you can check it. You'll find it. We'll put it on Facebook, and we'll put it on the news. But uh, we make that decision about 5 or 6 o'clock Saturday night. So anyway, if, if there's ever any question, that's, that's something that you can look at. We're continuing a series today called Christmas at the Movies, where we take a look at some of the principles in the Bible. But we don't just look there. We look at some really cool movies from the past and uh, to kind of draw a message out. Jesus did something similar to that. He told stories. Movies just tell stories. And have a you know have a uh, have a message behind him. Jesus told parables, and people usually uh, uh, in scripture people would say that we had never heard anything like what Jesus said. That was because how he told stories. Uh, those parables were interesting. That's kind of like what we're doing. But you might have a card in your chair. If you're not, you can pick these up. We've got a whole bunch of these, and you can take a couple of these and give these to a couple of friends. This is an opportunity that we have an uh, that we that we have to reach out to people that usually don't go to church because maybe. They have preconceived ideas about church that, uh, you know, if you grew up in the Bible Belt, in church, you're kind of over-churched. And a lot of the types of people that we reach are what are called returners. Everybody say returners. That's people who grew up in church about college age or about the time of getting married. They got out of church. Then they start having kids and start, you know, coming back to church. So that's, that's who we reach most here in the community of Shawnee. But anyway, this is a good conversation piece. Say, hey, we got... Some cool things, and uh, popcorn's not bad either, is it? Popcorn's pretty good. Uh, we got a professional popcorn maker back there, and uh, that, that's, I would be sitting in the roads there with a bag of popcorn if I were you. Well, let's dive into this. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here today, and, and thank you for the gift that you've given us, the gift of the truth. As we dive into this message today, I pray that you'll have your way, that you will change the lives of people, confront us in areas that we need to be confronted, and may we leave here changed as we draw closer to you in Christ's name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, you're supposed to be here today. <coughs> now, if I cough or, or whatever, I'm a little bit under the weather, just ignore that. We've got some people from our, uh, our worship team. We've got about two or three people missing today, and uh, so that's just kind of the way we're rolling. But if you hear me cough or whatever, just get right on through it. Hey, do you remember when you gave your life to Christ? Let me ask you this. Do you remember before you gave your life to Christ, what your life was like, and then you gave your life to Christ? And, uh, and then do you remember what life was like there and how you told your friends? Or maybe 
there was a, a time in your life, and this might be more relevant, that you were never away from God completely. It's just that at some particular point in your life in the past, you decided that you were going to step across the line and be fully committed to God. Do you remember that time? Do you remember what that was like when, when you made this transition, you had friends that, that you hung out with, and then you began to tell your friends that you gave your life to Christ? Do you remember the various reactions? That some of them were like, yeah, good job, high five. And some of them were kind of like indifferent. Some of them weren't, weren't so positive about it. Oh, you're, you're one of those guys. Remember what that was like. And then life begins to change. You see, what happens is new life is, is exactly that. You have a new life in Christ. So what happens is it's not that you think that you're better than other people. It's just that you, you take on this consciousness of, I want to do better with my life. Your habits begin to change. Your lifestyle begins to change. The way you party begins to change, right? No? It does, doesn't it? I mean, it's a little bit different having a, a church party than having a party, you know, B.C., before Christ, right? So, so things begin to change in your life, and you find yourself, because of the way that you've changed in life, not because of anything in particular, but because of the way your life's changed, you find yourself having less and less in common with people that aren't a part of the church. Have you seen this? Have you experienced this? You find yourself less, ha having less and less in common with people who don't know Christ or, or, or don't go to church. It's a natural process. And then you get involved in a connect group. And people that are involved in a connect group, well, we're all headed in the same direction. We're all trying to do better with our lives once again, we don't think we're better than other people that don't go to church. We're just trying to, because of what we're learning in church, because of what we're learning from Scripture, from what we're learning to becoming uh, spiritually mature as we begin to pray, God begins to deal with us about letting go of some things. And, 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 and this is, uh, as I said, it's a natural process. You find yourself being a part of a connect group. And then you become part of the dream team where you're serving in church. So now your, your connect group is, is surrounded with people that know Christ, and then you're a part of, you, you, your, your friends are a part of your dream team. You're serving in the coffee bar. You're serving as one of the ushers or greeters, or you're serving on the worship team or the production or wherever in kids' ministry. Now you have a, a different circle of friends, and there are people on this side and people on this side. And now if we're not careful, of course, these people feel like family, and this type of family is actually closer than your blood family sometimes. That's the way I experience my church family is closer than my blood family, my extended family. And what happens many, many times is, is the longer that we are in church, the longer that we follow Christ, the less friends that we have outside of the church. Did you hear that? The longer that we're in church, the longer that we are committed to Christ, the less friends and the connections we have outside the body of Christ. Now, it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that the longer that you're in church, the more intentional you have to be about connecting with people that don't follow Christ. If we're not careful, we begin to live in our protective environments. We like this protective environment. It's, it's, it's what we do. We, we have our own tribe. We have our own bubble, if you will. Everybody, that's the way our culture, that's the way our culture rolls. We hang around people that are like us. And if people aren't like us, well, we kind of sever those people from our lives. And we hang out with people. We find people that are like us. This movie that we're talking about today is called Black Panther. Have you seen it? 
Really, really cool movie. It's a superhero movie, and the story is about a people. Now listen to how this sounds like the gifts given to the church. The story is about a people who have been given this gift from the heavens, this mineral, this treasure called vibranium. And it has many qualities. First of all, it's the, the strongest substance, the most powerful substance in the world. It can heal bodies if they come in contact with bodies. It, it gives people superhuman strength if it's consumed. It's caused techno, technological advancements in this, this country of Wakanda. Uh, their lives have been bettered because of this gift, because of this treasure. They're more advanced than any other country in the world. And it's caused this nation to be the most blessed of any other nation in the world. But instead of sharing it, they live in their own, they keep it hidden, and they literally live in this dome or in this bubble, and they won't let the outside world know what they have. And the scene I'm about to show you in this movie, the king of Wakanda is talking to a young woman, and they're having this discussion about whether or not they should share this gift and this knowledge of vibranium, if they should share it. How it, she says it would change the world, he says, but it, in the wrong hands it could be abused. So let's watch this scene and I'll come back and I'll talk about it. Come home, Nakia. I'm right here. Stay. I came to support you and to honor your father, but I can't stay. It's just about my calling out there. I've seen too many in need just to turn a blind eye. I can't be happy here knowing that there's people out there who have nothing. What would you have or founder do about it? Share what we have. We could provide aid and access to technology and refuge to those who need it. Other countries do it. We could do it better. You are not like these other countries, Nakia. If the world found out what we truly are, what we possess, we could lose our way of life. Wakanda is strong enough to help others and protect ourselves at the same time. If you are not so stubborn, you would make a great queen. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. Ah, if, if that's what I wanted. And when I think of a, a movie like Black Panther, when I see a, a superhero movie, well, I want to see violence. You know what I'm saying? I want to see fighting and I want to see, and, and all, this is a superhero movie and there's fighting in those scenes, but really the struggle in this movie or the main portion of this movie is the struggle between people that want to share this incredible gift that this nation has been given and with those who want to simply protect their way of life. And as I was looking at this, as I was reading scripture today, I thought about the gift that God has given the world, how, how we as a church have been given a gift. And I want to talk to you about that gift and what we can do with it. First of all, I want you to know that this message is going to be a little bit shorter. Is that okay? Is that okay if this, movie, if, if this movie, if this message is a little bit shorter, but it's very concise, so I want you to hang on and listen to what I'm going to share with you. First of all, if, if we, understanding that we have a gift, we need to realize, you need to realize that you have been given a gift. As an individual, as the body of Christ, as a son of God, as a daughter of a king, you have been given a gift. In Hebrews 6 and 9, it says, we are confident 
that you are meant for better things, things that come through salvation. I want you to look at this verse for a second. The Apostle Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, says that we, because of our believing in Jesus, because of salvation, we are meant for better things. Now, before Christ, before we gave our lives to God, we had a life, but because of salvation, it comes with salvation, we are meant for better things. There is a gift that God places on the inside of you. You have been meant for better things. You're not a better person than somebody who doesn't know Christ, but you're meant for better things. God has something great for you. God has something great in your life. He has something great for your family. He has something better. Right now, suffering might be what you have in your life. God's got something better than suffering. Heartache might be what you're experiencing right now. God's got something better than heartache. God's got something better than depression. God's got something better than oppression. God has better things that come along with salvation. Amen? But we got to realize it. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, you've got something in jars of clay. Well, um, one, tr- one translation says, in earthen bodies. He says, you've got something on the inside of you that God has put on the inside of you, and it is a treasure. What is that treasure? I, I, would, I would recommend or I would propose that that treasure is knowing the truth. I think the most valuable treasure in the entire world is the truth of salvation. In Romans, the first chapter in the 16th verse, it says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, uh, for the power of God, for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel translates as good news or truth of life. You see, we as followers of Christ have received this treasure on the inside of us as knowing the truth. We have found the meaning of life. We found the purpose of life. We found the secret of life. The secret of life is knowing the truth. The Apostle Paul, I'm about to read a verse to you. The Apostle Paul says this to the church of Ephesus. He said, I, he said I've been chosen to share the mysteries of the gospel or the mysteries of the world, and, and they have been sealed or they have been kept secret until now. Until Jesus came upon the earth, these were mysteries that people knew in part about, but now they have been revealed. And it has been given to us the gospel or the truth. I want to tell you something. There is nothing more valuable than the truth. I want you to think about that for a second. There is nothing more valuable than knowing the truth. And if you don't have anything else in the world, I want you to realize that gift of the truth. That no matter what you face in life, no matter what you're suffering, no matter what you're going through right now, when you go to sleep and when you wake up in the morning, I just want you to know. And I want you to thank God for the gift of knowing the truth of salvation. There are people all over the world that don't know that truth. There are people all over the world that have rejected that truth, but you have accepted the truth. And because you've accepted that, you've accepted salvation, and better things are meant for you. If you believe that, say amen. So the first is to realize that truth. The second is to utilize that gift. Utilize. Realize that gift, and second is utilize that gift. You know what? An unused gift received is wasted. Have you ever bought somebody a really nice Christmas present? I mean, you spent some money on it. You picked it out. 
you thought that was a perfect gift for, the, gift for that person, and you gave it to them, and you went back about three months later, and it was discarded in the back of their closet. What do you do when that happens? Well, I know what I do. I take it back. Pearls before swine, right? I take it back. If you don't like my gift, I, 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 I want it back. Listen, an unused gift is a wasted gift. If you don't understand the gift that God has for you, it is a wasted gift. In Ephesians 4 and 8, it says, when he ascended, when Jesus ascended, and I'll paraphrase it, when, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, one of the things that he did, one of the benefits of this wasn't, that, wasn't all, all, only that we would be resurrected. As an example, he was resurrected, we're going to be resurrected. Yeah, that was one thing. He conquered death. Yeah, that was another thing. But another benefit that we miss sometimes is it says that he gave gifts to people. That, that something new happened, that, that we have spiritual gifts in us. That with the Holy Spirit, when we, when we give our lives to Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. And as we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive gifts. But those gifts lay dormant if we don't use them, if we don't discover them and use them. Hey, let me ask you a question. Why did he give the church gifts? Why did he give us gifts with the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 4 and 11 answers that question. It says this, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Who is the church? Who's the church? Look at your neighbor and say, you're the church. Look at your neighbor and say, I am the church. Look at your neighbor and say, we are the church. So anytime we say, he gave gifts to the church, he does this with the church, he's talking about you, and he's talking about me. He says, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, different church leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Uh, their, their responsibility is to equip God's people. Who are God's people? That's the church. Who's the church? That's right. That's right. We are the church to equip God's people or the church to do whose work? His, Christ's work, and to build the church, the body of Christ. I've said this before, but if Jesus were to come down and if he were to have lunch with you or sit and have coffee with you, he would talk about the church. He would ask you, he would talk about your relationship with the church. He would ask you how faith goes. Go, what, what church do you go to? And, and as you discover, he would talk to you. What, how are they doing? How's the pastor doing? He would talk about that because the church is his body. It was his idea. He died for the church. It, he's all about the church. So he's all about building the church. So when he, he ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit back down. And with the Holy Spirit came gifts that he puts on the inside of us to be discovered and to be utilized to build the church. Amen? Let me ask you a question. What are your specific gifts? What are your specific spiritual gifts? Have you, have you discovered them? Baylor talked a little bit about the growth track. If you haven't been through the growth track, we actually have a spiritual gifts quiz and a test that you can discover those. I strongly recommend that you go through that. Maybe you have over the process of time, and maybe that, that gift lays dormant in your life. Let me ask you a question. What gifts are you not, have not been discovered in your life? Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. You are a work in progress. You are God's masterpiece. In other words, God is working on you. He's building your life every single day. He takes pride in his work. He does excellent work. He is working on you. But look, there's a purpose behind it. He has created us anew in Christ, Jesus, so we can do the good 
things he planned for us a long time ago. One translation says, so we can do good works. He has gifted you because he has something special for you to do to build his church. So what spiritual gifts lay dormant in your life? What undiscovered, discarded spiritual gifting? And this is not a message of confrontation. This is something because I want you to discover. If you, if you haven't discovered the spiritual giftings on the inside of you, I'm telling you, you're missing an incredible meaning in life. So it's something that we all need to ask ourselves. On my, uh, in my prayer journal, my Friday prayer is I, I pray for my father, and then right below that, I pray, and you can read it. It says, I pray for a better Travis. I pray for the best Travis that I can be. Lord, you have given me certain spiritual gifts, and I have those gifts listed. I, God, you've called me to be a minister and a pastor and a teacher. You've, 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 you've uh, trained me or you've gifted me, I believe, to be a writer. You've, you've gifted me to be a musician. And beside that, I say, and I can do better. Man, I don't want to walk through this life, not discover and sow into the gifting that God has given to me and stand before God one of these days with all these gifts that he's given me and, and feel like, man, I could have done so much better. Have you ever heard the expression, leave it on the field? You know what that means, right? It's a football term. They don't talk like this in baseball. It's a term where you give it all you got because once you leave the field, you can't give any more. I don't care what sport it is. That's the way I want to do my life. I want to leave everything on the field. Listen, discover your gifting. There's, there's people that have gone through growth track that have said, wow, I just did not know that about myself. There are people that have, have decided that they were going to serve in certain areas of the church, go through the growth track and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to do that because my spiritual gifting is in this area. And I, I, we think it's so important that you discover your spiritual gifting that we put this kind of investment into you, into your life. I strongly recommend it. You hear me talk about this all the time because I'm passionate about people understanding and knowing their spiritual gifts. I want to challenge you to find out your spiritual giftings and use them within the context of his church. If you believe that, if you agree with it, say amen. And lastly, lastly, share your gift. Not only do we need to discover or, or realize our gift, we also need to utilize our gift. And lastly, share your gift. Let me ask you something. Think, do you really think that you're God's gift to the world? Over my life, I've had that said to me many times, that question. Travis, do you think you're God's gift to the world? Well, the Bible says I am, so I guess I am. The Bible says that you are God's gift to the world. You are. You are gifted and given to the world as God's gift. Look at this. Ephesians 3 and 9 says, the Apostle Paul says for himself, I was chosen to explain to everyone the, mysteries, uh, the mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. So the Apostle Paul said, God has chosen me to reveal this mysterious plan. The 10th verse says this, God's purpose in all this was to use the church. Who's the church? That's right, to use the church to display his wisdom and his rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, God gave the gift of his son to the world, which is Christ 
in his body, in his body form, walk the earth. And then when Jesus leaves, he says, now you are the body of Christ. We are God's gift to the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you're God's gift to the world. Say it again. I didn't hear it. Say it. You're God's gift to the world. You got to mean this stuff. You are God's gift to the world to display his wisdom, to display his rich variety to all the unseen things in the heavens. God has a plan that involves you. He has chosen you. We have been gifted and we have been given to the world. We have been gifted and we have been given to the world. We have been blessed to be a blessing to the world, to display, to showcase what God will do with people who surrender their lives to him. In the same way that God used, in the Old Testament, God used the Israelites to show the world how to live. If you, if you separate yourself, if you live a clean life, if you serve God, God used the Israelites to show the world what he could do. And he said this, I'm going to bless the entire world through these people. Fast forward into the New Testament. We have a new covenant. Now he does this through the church. God blesses the church. God equips the church. God gives gifts to the church to display all of his glory throughout the world. I want you to think about that for a second. Everything is peripheral to the church. God's plan is to show the entire world his glory through the church. You are God's gift to the world, but you've got to share your gift. Amen? We've got to share our gift with the world. Mark 5 and 14. Matthew 5 and 14 says this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Who does that? Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand which it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way, let your good deeds or let your works shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Look at that. So we find out that we have been gifted and we have been given to the world. And we have been gifted in order to serve. We have been gifted in order to do these good works through the church, to build up the church. And we see the entire point of all this is that the world will see the light in us and see how we serve and, to, and see how we're blessed and to see how we're gifted. And they won't look at us and say, man, they won't just look at us and say, man, I want some of what they got. They will look at us and they will see the glory of God through our lives. That's why we have been gifted. That's why we need to discover our gifts. That's why we need to share our gifts. A light illuminates something in darkness and this world has a tendency to be very dark sometimes. But Jesus, who brought light into this world, transformed or transferred that light into our lives through the Holy Spirit so the world that sits in darkness would see the light in us. If you want to make a difference, if you want to change your world, share the gift of the light in this season of Christmas. Amen? I want to close with this. In John 4 and 10, Jesus said this, if you only knew the gift God has for you, if you only knew the gift that God has for you, if you only knew it, I hope that my, my, my greatest desire from this message 
is that you realize and you really know the gift that God has for you. A lot of times I believe in church that we have a tendency to get bogged down with the cares of this life that we take for granted the gift that God has for us. That, that gift of, of hope that's on the inside of us. That, that hope of, that we've been given, the new life that we have been given because we know the truth in jars of clay, in earthen vessels, and in, in, in regular, every, everyday, ordinary people going to work, clocking in, clocking out, doing everything that we do in, in a single day. We are different. We've been meant for better things. We have been given a hope and a truth. And I don't want you to take that for granted. I think that sometimes we don't really understand. Jesus said this to a woman. She was a Samaritan. She was at a well. They were filling up buckets of water, and she was astonished that a Jew would even talk to her because Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. They thought of them as second-class citizens. And Jesus began to speak to her, and they had this conversation about the Messiah. They had this conversation about worship. And she was talking about how, yeah, one of these days, one of these days, one of these days I'm going to have hope. One of these days I'm gonna, my life is going to get better. And Jesus looked at her and said, if you only knew, if you only knew, you wouldn't be so depressed every single day. It seems like the United States is the most depressed yet the most prosperous nation in the world, yet we are so depressed. The trend of, of Sunday morning messages is hope. There are so many pastors, I have so many podcasts of pastors that are preaching the message of hope because people in the United States feel so hopeless. We feel like we, have no, we don't have any lives. That's because we don't understand and we don't know the gift that's on the inside of us. You have a hope that no matter what you face in this life or the next life, you have a hope that you have the truth about salvation, that you serve the one and only God, that you have been given salvation through the only name that can bring salvation, and that is the name of Jesus. And I want you to discover that gift. I want you to utilize that gift, and I want you to share that gift with people in your world. Amen? When you do that, that's how you make a difference in your world. That's how you change the world and fulfill the calling that he's given to us. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. I pray, Lord, for every person that is here that... I first pray for those that are part of the church that maybe we haven't discovered this gift. Or Father, there are gifts in our lives that this gift in our lives lays dormant. I pray, God, that we don't take it for granted, but we realize it. In the name of Jesus, we, we utilize it and we share it. Speak to people today wherever we are. Confront us, change us, and lead us into your path today in Christ's name. As your heads are bowed, nobody moving around, 
want to talk to you as an individual, as part of the church. I'm going to pray another prayer for those that don't know Christ. But if you're here, you're part of the church. You live for God. He's Lord and Savior. But I'm talking about this gift of the truth or maybe gifts on the inside of you that have laid dormant. Maybe God is speaking to you today about taking that step. And I don't know what that step is. Maybe God is speaking to you about discovering those gifts on the inside of you. Maybe God is speaking to you today about going to growth track and finding out more about your life. Or maybe God is speaking to you about sharing that gift. Maybe you have neglected to share that gift of hope and truth, whatever that may be. If God is speaking to you today, I want to pray with you right now. If you're seated next to somebody that you love, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, once again for people that are here. And thank you for speaking to us. And thank you, Lord, for confronting us. I pray, Lord, that we surrender whatever it is that would keep us from serving you. And Father, I pray, God, that, that we will discover the gift on the inside of us, Lord, and we won't take it for granted, and that we will share it. Because our lives are not our own. Your word says that we have been bought with a price. You have a purpose for our lives. And I know that we say that a lot in church. But if we're not careful, we will take that truth for granted. So today I pray that you will reconcile us to you, that you will ignite, reignite that flame on the inside of us, and we will wake up daily with new life of a hope and a truth given to us in Christ's name. If you believe that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. For you here, maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. He's not Lord and Savior of your life. And maybe throughout this message, God has been dealing with you. I don't know, this is a cold winter day. Sometimes you just get up, we just have us, but I find out a lot of times that if somebody comes to church that doesn't know Christ on a day like this, it could very well be that the entire message, the entire service is about that one person. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ for whatever reason, maybe you walked away from God at some point in your life and, and you once lived for God and, and you're what we talked about earlier, your returner. And today's your day to return. I'd like to lead you in a prayer. Or maybe for you, you walked away from God, or, 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 or you've never asked God to be Lord and Savior of your life. You've never surrendered your life to God. This will be the very first time that you prayed, Lord, Lord Jesus, be Savior of my life. So whatever the case may be, maybe that's not your case. Maybe there's another story in your life. But today you know that you need to be right with God, and you're not. I'd like to lead you in a prayer. I'll do nothing to embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand. I won't single you out. We don't do that here. I just want you to pray just like we prayed earlier. But I'd like to know if I'm praying for people. So if you can say, Travis, if you'll pray, I'm going to pray with you, and today I'll give my life to Christ. Quickly just put your hand up and put, put it down so I know I'm praying for people. Can anybody say that? I'll just ask one more time, then we'll move on. I just want to make sure, just in case... People are here. I see your hand over there. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see your hand right there. You can put it down. Anybody else? Okay, we're going to pray. And if I didn't see your hand, that's okay. God saw your hand and God saw your heart. Even if you didn't raise your hand, repeat this prayer after us. Come home. Give your life to Christ today. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, 
I give you my life today. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and wash me clean and whole. I confess that I believe in you, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. Now take my life and use it for your cause in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate. That's good news.